Hello and welcome. Today is July 16th and you are listening to the Non Sequitur Podcast. I'm joined today by Kelly. Hey. Melissa. Hey. And Amy. Hi. Hi. Don't you need to introduce yourself? I don't know. Would you like to introduce yourself? No, you. Oh, and I'm Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You know our names. This is off to a smashing start. I need to make that a note, in fact, for future episodes. Um, So we are joining you today from uh, our same place with the same people, but we're using new audio equipment. Maybe. We're actually, well, we're, well, okay. There is a slight possibility that the two nice, expensive, good ones are going to get their butt kicked by the SingStar microphone and miniature recorder. But I do not think that's likely to happen. So we are actually testing uh, three different recording methods. All of them are recording us right now. And whatever one wins is the one we'll go with in the future. I want it to be the big shiny one. Yeah, we have like a two and a half pound microphone, a uh, big like condenser mic, omnidirectional. And imagine uh, 1950s radio drama. It's a lot like that. It's got a big like wire screen and chrome stuff. Guys in suits. I kind of want to be. with fancy shoes. If we keep this one, we might lipstick. have to dress up for what? It's true. We we'll probably have to dress up <laughs> for future podcasts. I want it to be hanging from the ceiling. Though, Match the class of. We're going to get spit screens. I know. <laughs> Just don't spit. How hard is that? <laughs> uh, so today we are going to be trying out kind of a new format, uh, and we're going to be using some ideas from the people that have given us feedback. Uh, we had a, a survey uh, online. You can still take it if you want. It's tinyurl.com slash TNSP feedback. Uh, you can go there and leave us some feedback. Um, we, we could also post that link at the location where you can We can do some show podcast. notes, but if people are getting it from iTunes, because it's now on iTunes. Fair okay, enough. so I blew Melissa's mind the other day. So I just put this on iTunes for the first time. Seems rude. Prior to that, it was just on Max Attack. We were averaging about 800 downloads an episode. What? In the old, yeah. I know. Who are these people? I don't know. If you're out us? there and you're listening to us, Please. let us know. Why? <laughs> that was my question. What? Please tell us why you listen. Especially those old episodes. They're terrible. Yeah. they're. Oh. I mean, they're great, but they're awful. Yeah. yeah I, I, great because I think it's hilarious. The ancient were ones where Melissa would fall, or uh, Megan would fall asleep halfway through were like the best, but they were terrible. <laughs> so I don't know why people listened. But anyway, you can also leave Please us. Please tell us. Yes. I'd love to know. You can leave us feedback there or at our new email address which is tnspodcast at gmail.com. So you can get a hold of us a variety of ways, especially if you're new. We want to hear from new people. So Kelly, stop staring. You're just I think you break. can also post the link on the iTunes. Okay, you can do reviews. So if you want to give us an iTunes review, just go to the store, search for Non Sequitur Podcast. If you have nice things to say about us. Yeah, if you're not going to be nice, just don't give us a review. Kelly, or, what are you doing? I just, the, okay, the microphone, the shiny microphone has really interesting patterns in the, <laughs> in the mesh on top, and I was just admiring them. Just ignore me, I'm not going to Kelly cannot deal with shiny things. All right, in the interest of time, uh, we are going to actually just take a quick peek at what people told us they wanted to hear. So, uh, I don't know if anybody clicked on the option to see what the results were, but most people want us to keep this under an hour. Uh, over three quarters of us wanted to have it at least 30 minutes, but no more than 60. And in terms of topics, uh, all but one person wanted us to talk about interesting science. So we will be adding a new segment to the show where I talk about interesting science. Do you know anything about interesting science? I know lots of things. He's about been doing it. research all week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's actually so he's good. practically an expert. Right. I know a lot of science. I just don't know interesting science. So I had to do a little bit of work on that. Um, I, had, I had some <laughs> interesting. Entirely too many papers. I have a lot of papers. I've got a forest <laughs> in my lap, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> he said. The tragic, um. 
The tragedy is that most people don't want us to talk about Formula One. Uh, that makes me a little sad. We will still talk about F1 a little bit here and there, but we'll try to keep it from being too much for the people that just don't care. Uh, movies was in second place. Uh, about three quarters of people wanted us to talk about movies, and so that will happen eventually. Uh, video games and uh, books, TVs, television, stuff like that. A lot of media. People want us to talk about media. I guess they either appreciate our opinions or they're looking to us for valuable reviews. I think that's a bad idea. How many idea. people actually filled out the survey? Only 11. Okay, uh, that's not a lot. And but you guys still, didn't, so yeah. people, 800 people listening to this who are enigmas <laughs> freaking fill out the survey so we have more data. Yes, we want more data. We want this to be what you guys want it to be. Okay, the, the Formula One thing, though, however, maybe partly because of how long it takes for them to get posted. That's true. <laughs> But now with this new hardware, hopefully I will have an easier time editing it. Oh, speaking of which, when we do live events from PAX or the Olympics or whatever, those ones will be up much quicker now if we end up going with the, uh, the digital recorder here. Um, so anyway, uh, in terms of the feedback, most people basically said that we're doing a good job, but we need to, you know, like I said, keep the length down. A lot of our old ones were over an hour um, and just kind of keep it up. My favorite piece of feedback is the one that I will read. It was from Aaron. He wrote a miniature novel. Uh, but So, Aaron, writing to all of us, uh, don't try to get the listeners to understand the many facets of your personality. Just pick a flavor and stick with it. You aren't trying to get the audience to date you or be impressed with how well-rounded you, well, well you are. The overall balance comes from each person being a little extreme in their style and point of view. If everybody is neutral about tough topics, the whole show ends up being bland. Oh my gosh, so I can like totally be a ditz and that could be my on-air personality? That could be so much fun! I should t oh my gosh, I should text Jamie and tell her all about it. You should not do that for an hour. It will make everyone crazy. I'll leave. Oh, that was for you. Uh, also, I'm going to try to give each episode a miniature outline before we start. So if you know, you know, if you hear what we're going to talk about and none of it interests you, you can just turn it off now. Uh, so in order, we're going to do a little bit of F1 talk. The season's about half done, so we'll give a quick summary of what we think about the new rules and uh, additions to the year. Uh, we're going to give a quick summary of E3, because we actually had some people ask about it. Um, I will do my interesting science stuff, and then our big knockout drag out potentially argument will be about social networks and whether or not we think Google Plus has any kind of relevance in a world that already has Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and then this I forgot new... MySpace. MySpace is still relevant, right? And then the Does best... anybody have MySpace Kelly, anymore? we're not there yet. All right, sorry. <laughs> okay, and then the best part, I'm about to send out a message that I pre-wrote, written, wrote, I, I typed into my phone. It is a text message that I'm going to send to a bunch of you and... At the end of the show, I'm going to open my phone and see if there are any replies. This will be for basically the closest thing we can get to live question and answers. So over the next 30, 40 minutes, you guys need to write in if you are one of the people that got the text. If not, I do not have your phone number or I do not value your questions. You're going to totally check my phone now. I'm not sending one to you. That wouldn't make any sense. All right. I feel so, up. Well, then too bad. You just talk into the microphone. So how many times do we think your phone's going to make it's it? On noise? It's on silence. It's on silence. So hopefully this works. If not, it could be a disaster. All right, first topic, Formula One. Melissa. So one of the new changes that Luke's also instituting in our podcast with this episode is giving uh, some of the rest of us regular contributors an opportunity to take the lead on some of these. And I, being of course the most technologically uh, minded and skilled and able, have been given the task of talking to you all about Formula oh. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. This yeah. is completely off script. 
Kelly really appreciates the irony there. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, apparently... Uh, one thing that we should mention that to make us, you know, to get our bona fides here as Formula One uh, podcasters, um, we need to talk about uh, tech developments in Formula One this year and our thoughts on how they are impacting the season, etc., etc. So, uh, Kurs is back. Kurs is the kinetic energy recovery system. Well done. Yes, got it right. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, Kurs, it's it's the go fast button uh, for those of you who've ever watched Formula One with me. Uh, it is like a kind of like a Toyota Prius. A little bit. So as you're braking, the car turns your braking energy into magical battery energy, and then later at some point you hit the go fast button and you get an extra eighty horsepower for like six seconds like six seconds ish they almost never use it all at once so it's kind of hard to time out uh but you guys thoughts curs like it hate it go fast button it's got a stupid name go what fast would you button? rather call it no curs oh what would you call it I'd call it like turbo boost yeah hyperspeed like uber velocity the flash <laughs> the flash the flash i think what marvel or dc would probably be upset about that probably big, that's actually true the flash was kind of a stupid hero anyways that's true yeah but anyway i don't know what i call it i hadn't thought about what do we think about that i mean we've got the fia trying to make formula one more well they're trying to say that they're trying to make it more environmentally conscious i think it's kind of a silly notion to think that adding a battery system to an f1 car makes it somehow Environmentally, Do they conscious. get their nickel from uh, Canada? I don't know where the actual battery materials come from, but the idea that in any way we need to make Formula One more ecologically sound is just crazy to me. Um, I, I, it's it's kind of a neat system, but it's also kind of a gimmick because everybody has it. So if you're trying to pass somebody, except Sebastian Vettel, well, except this works now. Oh, fair enough. I think it's I haven't heard anything about that, but yeah. So if you're trying to pass someone, you push your go fast button, they just hit their go fast button, and then it's a stalemate just like before. So. I mean, the whole environmentally friendly argument may be a bit specious, but it it does very much line up with, with Formula One management's overall goal of making the sport more exciting for people to watch. And so by giving the drivers this this control over a very limited but still fairly powerful change in their car um, does provide the opportunity, at least, even if it's not put into practice very well, but provides opportunity for a little bit more excitement. You know, if you're being chased, you hit your hit your curves button, you take that risk of not having your curves button later, and you hit the button to escape the guy who's coming after you. Or if you're the chaser, you know, you take the risk and hit your button for half a second to see if you, that can give you that little extra boost. And I, I, it's hard to say how effective it is, largely because we've got some other... That's the big challenge, right? That are also serving the same purpose. I feel that Kurz is being overshadowed this year by the other stuff that they've added. Sure, um, including uh, the the big big tech change for this year, which was the the drag reduction system, or as I like to call it, the DERS. The DERS. That's it the has official name for no us. No verbs or verbs vowels. Mm. Uh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> has no vowels in it, unlike Kurz. I'm not sure most so. of our listeners know the difference, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Judging from text um, messages, no, probably but not. But the, the, the drag reduction system is a, a a piece of the rear wing that can be flipped up to increase downforce on the no opposite to, to reduce downforce, downforce, reduce drag as the car is going fast down a straight. 
but only for a car that is passing another car and only if that car is within one second of the car that's trying to pass when the little beacon <laughs> pings the car to decide whether or not that the driver gets to use the flap. And this is kind of the reason everybody's calling it good lord. <laughs> a lot of people have said that this is the most contri- contrived like rules change of the season. This idea that you are giving an unfair advantage to the pursuing car and that there's all these like weird loopholes and checks and balances to keep the system from being, you know, abused elsewhere on the track. Except, you know, in practice, having watched the first half of the season, I think it's working exactly how it was intended to. Do you think it's too much of a benefit for the pursuing car? I don't. Really? I don't, because we've seen, uh, because we keep seeing cars that are within one second at the, at the activation zone, but that front car knows he's got to push it then for, because the, 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 so for those of you not familiar with how this <laughs> works, quick explanation, Luke, you can tell me if I've got it right. There's the activation zone. Detection zone. Detection zone. See, this is why I need his help. So the detection zone is the, the section of the track where the computers make a decision whether or not the car is eligible for using the drag reduction system. The activation zone is where it actually gets used. And there's there's some there's room a little bit in of between. There, yeah. So the the front car um, could theoretically know this guy's behind him, know he's going into the the DRS zone, and put on a little use his curse. That's what the curse ends up being a little bit relevant to push away. And so we've got the guy come flying through with his DRS activated and still not be able to pass. But it makes the the attempt at passing more exciting. I think because you can actually see something happen to the car, you could tell that it's You can see the wing move. Yeah, and, yeah, you can tell that it that this is a big moment that we should all pay attention to. I mean, how many times have we been sitting around the TV watching somebody we want to pass a Ferrari? Because uh, <laughs> let's be honest. But I mean we you know we see Lewis Hamilton last week trying to pass Sebastian Vettel, wasn't it? Yeah, so Lewis Hamilton, every time, and Luke's, you know, screaming at the TV, use your durs, use your durs, and the, and the wing flips, and he gets all excited, and then the pass doesn't happen, and so we have to wait another lap for it, but the excitement factor, whether it's, technically speaking, helping actual passing to happen, from a spectacle standpoint, and I just made a big long rant here, but I think it's working. Well, another example of it is, again, last week with Vettel and Mark, even before the team threw its little fit, <laughs> there was there was Mark trying to pass Vettel, and he just simply couldn't get there because it makes the the driver being passed have to pay more attention and to be a better driver. And I think that's one of the things that at least the Durs is going to be doing is make the driver simply better by knowing who's behind them and where behind them they are more so than before. Granted, in most of the races, it's only one section of the track that they're paying attention. But does this only help your top drivers? Because I'm thinking last season's final race where Vitaly Petrov held up Fernando Alonso for 20 laps or something nuts like that. I mean, do you really think Vitaly Petrov can hold off Fernando with the Kurs and the DRS? I think there's a greater chance that throughout the season because the back drivers are fighting with each other, that they're getting better at doing those kinds of things. And so if he's in a situation like that again, that he'll be better at holding somebody up. They'll have a lot more practice because they'll be getting a lot closer to each other and having those interactions that we don't see watching on TV. Amy, always the optimist, rooting for the the pure athleticism. (laughs) 
I applaud you. So what do you think of the tires, Amy? Do you care at all about tires? I think they've made up a new word. What? The clag. The clag? The, the clag. clag. All of the like rubber <laughs> it's debris. It's the sea that... of clag. It that's, is. That's the only upside of these so tires. So think of when you're using a pencil with an eraser and you erase something and you've got all those rolled up pieces of rubber. That's what's been happening this season with the new brand of tires. They've been ro literally rolling up like pencils or pencil erasers and just leaving debris all over the track. Kelly, what do you think of clag? I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's Especially get... said in a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> clag. <laughs> clag. Oh, yeah, because by the time you get to the end of the race, you've got, you can see where the racing line is, and then there's everywhere else where there's black sludge everywhere. And if you go into the black sludge, you are in serious trouble. And then it's, it's great, too, because once the race is over, all the drivers are like, oh, better, better go over into the clag to make my car heavier because I, you know, you gotta make weight restrictions. You gotta yeah. make weight, and they took off that steel plate this morning. Oh, so, no. <laughs> I mean, I think the frustrating thing is that the tires have actually probably done more to aid in passing than either of the two things we've talked about. I think the the high degradation rate of these tires is causing people to be mismatched on strategy or you know using different compounds of tires, um, and that's actually given us the best battles, the best accidents, the best overtakes, the best. Whatever. So it's tire mistakes more than a driving skill that's... I, well, I mean, because the FAI asked Pirelli to intentionally make a high-degradation tire. So right. th I mean, they've succeeded in their goal of making a crummy tire. But I think the crumminess of the tire... If you were to take two things away of the three that we've mentioned and leave one to, to remain, I think probably the, the Pirelli tires would be the reason that the se season has been as entertaining as it has been. Um, I think the Kurs is probably the least valuable for entertainment value. And then, I like watching the, the, the graphic on the TV with the little red battery. You like the battery thing? I do. I just I don't think it actually entertains people as much. Probably not. I think if it was like, if the if the graphic was like sparking. Or if the car glowed or something when it was <laughs> using its curves yeah. so you could tell which cars were doing it. This is a great idea. You should you should get, you know, Jean Tot on the phone but right it, now. Yeah, I put some totally running lights or some... LEDs underneath the cars. <laughs> underglow. Especially nice, during like, the night tracks. Just... That'd actually be kind of cool. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, so we've got a lot of sort of technical pieces in place, rule changes for this season, and the rule changes haven't stopped. They just keep coming. <laughs> Um, this is my least favorite uh, development of the F1 season this year, because... Anyone who's listened to me on the podcast for any length of time knows that I, I, I like things consistent. I like consistency in my sports. I want, you know, I want the rules to be set and I want them to be followed the same way for everybody every time. And if you're going to make a change to a rule, it has to apply to everybody and it should take place at an appropriate time. Clearly, I am not on the governing body of <laughs> the FIA. How amazing would that uh, be? We should, we should also note that Luke's, um, Luke's, uh, what, what do you call it? His Wi-Fi router, its oh, yes. name is FIA Hater. We are, I am <laughs> not a fan of the FIA. I, and I actually don't have a, a personal beef with the FIA as an organization. I do have a beef with the, the decision that was made this year to, change, to drastically change the technical specifications for the cars. It's, it's one thing to change a driving rule, to say you can't pass the safety car, you know, in the way that we let you do last year or last race, yeah. or to say, you know, we're going to reinstitute the 107% rule, but we're going to make an exception for this guy because he broke his leg or you know, whatever. Sure. Th those rule changes in terms of like the drivers or the way that they drive, 
those things make sense to be changed during the course of a season. But in a sport that relies on a machine, like Formula One does, to change the technical specifications of that machine mid-season, it seems unnecessarily punishing and not just to the top teams that they're trying to hold back because the the major tech spec change that's been made has to do with uh exhaust being blown into diffusers to make the cars more awesome we'll leave it at that that's a good leave it at that because i really don't understand it any more than that but i think the idea was to slow down some runaway teams yeah sebastian vettel (laughs) (laughs) i love you sebastian i think you're awesome and I'm totally rooting for you, but apparently no one else is. Um, I am. Okay, great. Me and Amy. Dude, I've got like a 56 pack of, of Red Bull in my house right now. And so fair enough. But I mean, I think it's unnecessarily harming the the middle of the pack teams who are all using the same engines as the front of the pack teams, but they just don't have as good of cars. And so suddenly this whole structure they've put in place is no longer valid. And, and the cars aren't going to work the way that they're supposed to. Except apparently the Red Bulls still do. So who knows? Yeah, the, the whole thing came to a head this weekend. And we won't get into the details. But basically the FAA just kept changing their mind about the rules change. And so almost day to day... they Which is were ridiculous. Yeah, if you either need to not mess with anything like Melissa would want. Or if you are going to make a change, it needs to be so written in stone that no amount of tragedy could possibly make you change your mind. Uh, yeah, if your engine's going to explode, you can't run your car this week. So sorry. Yeah. Build another engine for the next race. Yeah. Well, for this, did they really give the the, manu- the engine manufacturers enough time to make sure that their engines were safe? They, they did. They gave them over a month, which in F1 is a millennia. They should okay. have been able to get the details figured out to how to make this work. But it was, I mean... It, it's a reasonable change, but it was handled so poorly that the whole thing backfired. Okay, because the which way... is the reason I disapprove of changing technical specs. They're clearly incapable of making clean decisions on things. Was this it has happened before? I guess the question is because I don't really remember hearing about the rule change until Canada, and so that would have been. Was that a but they, month? they announced it a couple weeks before Canada. Okay. And then there was, was two more a, weeks to Valencia and then two more weeks to this race. Was it a, we think we're going to change this or no. a, we know for We're going sure. to change it. We just don't know when. Okay. We were planning for this race, but then the teams whined, so they pushed it back. The teams whined, so they pushed it back. Okay. And then, so. I, I need yeah. to interject real quick. Yes. Um, I think we're failing right now. What? We've been talking about F1 for like 15 minutes already. Okay. <laughs> All right. right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, what, it's what, okay. What, it's just we, 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 you know, they, people voted. They didn't want as much F1. Yes, they, yes. We've already devoted a lot of time. This won't happen very much in the future. Luke put me in charge of something technical. Wow, it, Luke. It's the midpoint of the season. We just wanted to get it out there, right, out of the way. So maybe a, like a hi- an F1 hiatus for the next couple of yes, podcasts. Yes, yes. We probably won't come back to this till the end of the season. All right. Okay. That's One fine. final question, though. A question actually from a listener. Um, from, from Scott. From Scott. Uh, we've got our reservation for uh, the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Ow. Awesome! Next June in it seems Texas. seems so far away. In <laughs> oh June. Gosh. Luke, do you have a plan? Because, I mean, the rest of us, we're a little whiny when it gets hot. But, I mean, it can be 60 degrees and just sunny. And, and, and I'm we're, a cry we're a little baby. unhappy. Yeah. I, I will whine and throw a fit so and make everybody's life miserable. You're the weirdest Puerto Rican ever. That's true, actually. <laughs> uh, I don't have a plan. I'm hoping that the excitement of F1 will make me not realize that I'm miserable. 
but I actually don't know what I'm going to do because I'm guessing it's going to be well over 100 degrees potentially. I would imagine right around. Average temps in Austin in June are actually in the high 80s. Oh, okay. Well, I'll still whine a bunch because that's awful. I think. The worst part. I haven't checked Wikipedia in a while, so. Probably super humid, right? I mean, so close to the Gulf? No, Austin doesn't have a reputation for being that humid. Okay. Yeah. So I might not be that bad off. I mean, I, I will... It's going to be sunny, probably. I will bring an umbrella. Okay. <laughs> I, I, will, I will be that guy at the F1 race, blocking three people behind guy. me with my big old umbrella. Ugh. I'm just saying. All right. So stay tuned for Luke's plan. That will probably be our biggest F1 update uh, in the next As couple we go forward, of yes. months. Excellent. Yes. So, Kelly, I'm going to turn it over to you, and you can uh, amaze us with your insight on uh, the upcoming video game Bonanza recently announced at this year's E3. You know, I didn't actually watch E3, so I kind of feel like the wrong person for this, but that's okay. What are you talking about? You're going to buy almost every... You're going to buy every game on this entire list. Granted, we do not have the full listing of all games announced to E3 written in front of us. (laughs) We just have a list of games Luke thinks would be interesting for us to talk about. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll start with Lego City Stories, which is going... It looks like... It's going to be kind of based on the, the Legos we built growing up, you know, the fire trucks and the cityscapes and the little characters. Not not based on any film or, or book series that's come out in the last couple of decades. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that they didn't give us any gameplay footage to see, but based on just the HUD and kind of the way that it looked, I think they're basically trying to make Grand Theft Auto in the Lego universe. Yeah. It has it looks- the exact same feel as a Grand Theft Auto. So how do you end up merging... Like, running over hookers and shooting cops okay. with the Lego franchise. First, I think hookers are probably not going to be part of it, unless... You, Why not? I mean, it, maybe you're able to design characters that go into the city. Maybe you could create your own uh, Liberty City <laughs> with hookers who are walking around in their own, you know, style of walk. I don't know. I'm not sure how creative they're going to get with this, but... Uh, it looks... I mean, it looks like... The idea is great, because, you know, I the thing that I always hated about the old Lego games, which I actually really enjoyed, but you can't create your own stuff. You can't just take tons and tons of Lego pieces and build something and then go crazy with it. Because the environments aren't generally made out of Legos. No, the environments usually, you know, just like you would find in any video game. Yeah. Um, it's the characters and the, the things characters you interact and, with. and the things you break. Yes. You, know, you can break <laughs> a lot of Lego stuff in the Lego games, but you can't build a lot. And what you can build is predetermined. Um, you just push a button for a few seconds and it builds itself. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more of that. Amy, you have owned almost every Lego game. No, I haven't. Batman, Harry Potter, and Pirates of the Caribbean, which means you've only missed Indiana Jones? Or did and you Star, Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars, okay, fair enough. So you 60%. Owned... All right, so what do you think of this? Uh, and Lego Racer back on, like, the PS1, come on. She wasn't even born yet. Whatever. I'm not that young. <laughs> Does this interest you? Do you want to play an open-world adventure game? I want to know more about it, okay. and I'm disappointed that it's going to be exclusive to Nintendo, because I don't own any Nintendo systems, and I don't really like what's coming with them. I'm, I'm not super excited about what's coming with them. That's the because 3, what... 3DS. Well, yeah, just grab The challenge is that... Reach out of the screen and... and what's coming for them is the same stuff they gave us 15 years ago, just regurgitated in high definition. Because that's yeah. kind of Nintendo's MO right now. Uh, hey, you know that Zelda game you like? for the last 20 years. Yeah. But. Hey, remember that game we made back in the 80s? Here it is again. Like, I mean, I... Yay, and everybody I cheers. I played and, on the, uh. the 3DS right before it came out 
Um, That's right. Because there California. was a booth in San Francisco when I was there. And I, I wasn't really excited about the 3D part of it. And I could turn the 3D part of it off and it was perfectly fine. It didn't really grab my attention, make me super excited to play in 3D. But 3D stuff, 3D movies have never really been super I want to do this. So you're not interested in spending a couple hundred bucks for a new device just no. to play one game on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Wii U or Yes, whatever. we need to talk about the, the Wii, Wii U. Which I think we're going to get further into. Oh yeah, we're going to get into that. We should just jump to that. It's five times too complicated for me. I... I, I Alright, let's, like let's talk about the Wii U because it's the new, the new... the newest upcoming system other than the PS... The PlayStation Vita, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, so yeah, the Wii U. How do we feel about that name? I think Awful. it's ridiculous. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. why didn't they go with Wii Two or Wii HD? If you're or, gonna keep, yeah. if you're gonna keep the Wii name as a big brand recognizable name, why not make it more obviously relevant? Like, oh, I had the first Wii. Wait, maybe that's the problem. Maybe no. I was gonna say maybe they were concerned that people were so burnt by buying the Wii and throwing it in their closet after a month that they didn't want to. Get I think people they should have just brought them. back the. Nintendo Revolution, because Revolution, that was a great name, and I would have, you know, nobody would have thought that was ridiculous. But they that had was the code name the during development yeah. for the Wii. Yeah, by the way. and and that would have, you know, been fine for that system. But they had to name it the Wii, which was, nobody still to this day understands. There was a rumor. Why. There was a rumor right before E3 this year, before they announced the name of this, that it was just going to be called the Nintendo. And I actually thought that was kind of clever because when we were growing up, whenever our moms would yell at us to go outside and play or come down for dinner or, you know, go to school, you know, get off that stupid Nintendo. Like, you know, it didn't matter what system you yeah. were using. You could be on your Xbox and they still thought it was your Nintendo. Yeah. So I, I actually <laughs> thought that Nintendo should have just gone with, here's the, the Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately. So anyway. Or it, they could have stuck with the so bits in the thing. So like the Nintendo 1064 or whatever. Yes. Just keep going. <laughs> so two things from, from me about the name. It makes me think of university, Nintendo University. I know. Like, that's the first thought. I was like, really? When I the see it? The first thing it makes me think of is Kung Pao, that movie, where the guy is <laughs> doing all the voices for these characters, and there's this character, and she goes, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> <laughs> That is all I think of when I hear the name. That's, yeah. How do and, you, yeah. And the other thing is, is... Is the Wii U just the controller that you use with your current Wii system, or is it a completely new system that you have to buy and brand new? And that's the challenge. Nintendo did a horrible job of explaining that. The answer is that you're going to have a Wii console, much like what you have now, attached to your TV. And then that box, that physical little white box, will send wireless signals to the tablet controller hybrid in your hand. So it's like Where having... does the HD come from, then? Are we going to have new... So upgraded the cords. The, yeah, so the processing okay. power is actually in the box. It'll go HDMI to your TV. Okay. So the video to your TV is coming from the box. From so, the controller. No. Oh. From the box. The box. From the box. Wii. From the Wii itself. From the, Wii. the new okay. Wii. The new Wii. Yeah, it's a brand new system. <laughs> probably be 250 bucks. Has an HDMI port. It'll go straight to your TV. That's how it feeds the signal. But it can also right. shoot wireless video signal to the handheld wireless tablet controller. Thing. Which I think is kind of rad, actually. It's interesting. The the I mean, it's it's complex and all, but it's I hate the Wii controller. I really do. It's it's it was a good idea, but it's so inaccurate and it's so tedious, and you're constantly just hurting yourself and breaking things. And 
It's, yeah, it's, people are too stupid to use them. Melissa is fake <laughs> playing with a Wii U controller, and it looks like she's having an aneurysm. It's just... Well, it's, I'm just thinking about, as as much as I agree with you about the Wiimotes, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't, I got a bad taste in my mouth about motion control gaming, period, after playing on a Wii, because it's just, it's clumsy and awkward. Yeah, it's very clumsy. It's, it's not good, but at the same time, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the people in these promo videos with this giant tablet. I mean, it's like an iPad. It's like an iPod. It is. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're playing video games, not on an iPad, but with an iPad. And the then it has buttons it. and triggers and sticks. And I'm just thinking it's, it's not kid-friendly at all. If you've ever, okay, if you've ever played, what was that system? The Sega Saturn? With the massive controller? The huge, round controller. Like, even bigger look, than the old Xbox they controller? They awful. They really do. They're these huge things, and when you look at it, it's you're just like, there's no way oh, that's no. going to be awesome. But then, once you picked it up, it was magic. That giant, round yeah. controller Do you think that'll just, happen again? It could. I mean, it, I, I don't want to discount large controllers, because, I mean, that... That controller was probably one of the best controllers I've ever held in my hand. Oh. It was really comfortable. It it you know everything was ergonomically, just perfectly positioned. It was great. Um, I mean okay. this 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 thing you obviously have your hands further apart, but I, I don't know. We, I mean but I'd, I'd want to hold one before I pass any judgment. I, I came late to this whole video game world in the last few years. I didn't play video games as a little kid on a system, and. I mean, the PS3 controller is comfortable for me. I've played on an old F know, Xbox uh, Cube, Nintendo Cube. GameCube. GameCube controller. And that was an awkward-shaped controller. <laughs> yep. Yes, it was. So was the one that came before. That was very and, and I've I've played on the... I've done a little bit on a 360, but mostly on the PS3. And that controller is comfortable. And so somebody coming new to it, ha handing them this tablet and saying, here, play a video game, they're going to go, What? I don't know what to do with this. I know generally because you've seen growing up people playing with this traditional controller, and I think I think that's where the Nintendo Wii and this Wii U is going to run into a problem, is the people who know what a traditional controller should feel like or are comfortable with the idea of a traditional controller and handing them something new and going, what? Well, I think there's also the concern that because the video is coming onto the, onto the controller, onto the, the tablet, as it were, if you can't take the tablet out of a certain range yeah. of the Wii... Yeah, it's, te oh, it's wirelessly tethered. It's wirelessly tethered, and might as well just spend the money buy an iPad. You can take that on the bus well, and play Angry Birds. You just brought up the big concern that I think Nintendo should be having, and that's the price. Because the hardware inside of this box attached to your TV is more powerful than the stuff in the PS3 and the Xbox. So you've got like basically a, a slight generational bump in hardware when those systems are already $200, $300. And then this crazy tablet that can wirelessly communicate. I, I wouldn't be surprised if each of the controllers is 100 bucks. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. They've said that it's only going to have one controller per system. Yeah. So So I can't play with my friends. Well, they can play with old Wii controllers while you play with the tablet. Yeah. Which is Why? really dumb. It's really, really dumb. But I think the interesting thing is that they're hoping to actually have a... a, a is like a PlayStation Network-style Is this system? an option that they're going to look at adding later? Like I think... Firmware updates? No, because I think the problem is that the, the hardware has to render a video signal to the TV and a video signal to the tablet and wirelessly transmit that data. So I don't know if it can handle rendering that many different perspectives. 
I think your best bet would be if you have one at home and your friend has one at home, you use the Nintendo online service, which is guaranteed to be terrible. So no more <laughs> partying games. Or you do the old Wii controllers with this. In which case, why bother buying the new one? Well, especially if the new one's $400. Right. I mean, who knows how much it's actually going to cost, yeah. but I can't imagine it being the 250 that the Wii launched at. Nintendo always sells hardware for profit. Always. It's their MO. It's like Apple. Like, if you can't make money on the hardware, you don't sell the hardware. So how do they expect to sell something that's more powerful than the PS3 at a cheaper price when this has more technology in it and alongside it? No idea. Total mystery. Man, we just rant. We, we are, all right, okay. We, we uh, should actually not I'm talk gonna, about all of these. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm going to just go through a few. I've got a list here of games. Halo 4 I'm kind of excited about, uh, but I didn't like 2 or 3, so who knows. I just want to um, give a quick little prediction. So the, they, they said, Microsoft said Halo 4 comes out holiday 2012. My prediction is either that that isn't true, or if it is true, it's, it's going to be a different holiday. It's going to be on the next Xbox. Oh. All right. But my oh, actual prediction is that I they're going to announce. I have, I have a hope for number four. Yeah. I want a cutscene where Master Chief and Cortana get digital freaky. Gross. Right. Anyways, next Overstrike. It looked weird. It's kind of like a co-op-y looking. Yeah, Overstrike. First person new game from Insomniac. It's going to have lots of cool guns. Yeah, it's by Insomniac, so that excites me a little bit, but. Um, Picture Borderlands, I don't but Insomniac. Know. Okay, I hate CG trailers for video games because yeah. they don't show you anything about the actual game. They show you character designs, and that's yeah. about it. Like it's not even the actual you know, character designs. True, but I liked the. I mean, I liked what they gave us in the trailer in terms yeah. of the, I mean, the they're, weapons. They're and interesting. Kind of the quirky. They, yeah, they're they're interesting. They show you what you know characters might be like in the story, what the story might be like, but they don't actually show you what the game is. So true, but it, it seems it like crazy. co-op, kind of like Borderlands, but not an RPG. Yeah. Alright, PS Vita, it's the uh, successor to the PSP. Looks pretty rad. I'm kind of excited How about How do you it. feel about the price point? Because that was a shock. What is the price point? $250. That's kind of incredible. Everybody thought it was going to be $400. Yeah. It is That's what so I thought you were about technology. to say. It's like four or $500. When they announced $250, I know Amy looks like she's going to cry, but when they announced $250, cheers. cheers I'm not going to cry about that. At, at the <laughs> price point it doesn't bother me. I think it's better that it's lower than what originally the thought was. As somebody who almost exclusively plays on a PSP, because that's the only system that I have, I was not very excited about it at the beginning. It's grown on me a little bit, but I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to go for an upgrade immediately. I definitely want them to break it a few times before <laughs> I'm Talk willing to be played on one. Yeah. I want to see what happens when you play with one. I, I will play with one, but I want to see Speaking of which, them. we'll be playing with one next month. At PAX. Yay! Okay. Potentially. Moving on. All right. Uh, next, we got Uncharted 3. Very excited. Woo! We're all Yay! excited. Um, go down oh, and go. I've seen pictures of Elena. Don't tell me. I don't hear it. La, 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 I've just la, seen la, la, a picture la, 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 of her. I don't want to know. I just don't the fact know. that she's I in the third game. I just want to punch her in the face right now. <laughs> okay. She's going to be in the game. How do you know? Because it's on Nathan Rabbit. Well, I didn't. So then I didn't know. So you shut your face. You need to know this so you stop stressing out. You're pissing me off. All right. Bioshock Infinite looks amazing. It's outside and you've got crows and stuff <laughs> and there's a shotgun and a blimp and it's shooting at you and it's just i want to have sex with it all right tomb raider the new one it looks amazing lara croft's new design is incredible it's, she's not all sexified anymore she's an actual human being sort well you know a digital one but not <laughs> not a retarded one so that's awesome uh, skyrim the new uh elder scrolls dragons that's all we need to say. We're done. Uh, Far Cry 3. I put this on the list because I'm excited for it. looks really excited. I really liked the second one, but it was fundamentally flawed. So if they can take the feedback people gave them 
Three could be awesome. All right, and uh, then we have some information about the connect and move, which I think are both kind of silly, even though I own a move. Uh, yep, they're done. Is, is there any? Is there, is there anything that the motion control game people could do to bring you back into the fold? Is there any game they could make that would be worth it to you? If they could... Oh my gosh, there was a game. Okay. <laughs> you found it. Well done. You found it. <laughs> there was a game for the PC back in 1998, I think? Way back when, which was like on the cutting edge of motion control. You used your mouse entirely to control the right arm of the character. And it was a medieval night story. I can't remember what it was called. It was super gory, but it had, you know, you could, you got into like single combat with other characters and you were actually blocking their attacks by moving the mouse and, you know, twisting it. And, and it was amazing because you could, you know, lop off a leg and they'd have to hop at you or if you could cut off their sword arm and they'd have to just bash you with their shield and you could, you know, it was incredible. If they made a game like that, where you're not fighting just mobs of guys and just swinging at them, because that's annoying. Um, but where you're actually like getting into like interesting combat with characters, and it had a great story too. You were trying to save your sister and everything. If they made that game for the move, I would totally buy it. But I don't see them doing that because it's too it's too geared towards children. Uh, well, okay, the gore, the goriness and all that stuff. But the the move game they showed there called Medieval Moves was kind of what you were talking about, where you would actually be a first person medieval era guy with a sword and a shield and a bow and an arrow and throwing stars. But and, we'll ignore the throwing, throwing stars. stars. And little cutesy goblins and... It, it's it's a cutesy art style, but I actually think I'm going to buy it because I've always wanted that ga- a, a game where you can actually block a sword. I mean, think of Demon Souls, right? I mean, where like, right. dude swings sword, you block it correctly and come back in with a counterattack. Like, really That rewarding. game looked like it was on rails, though. I mean, um, I'm not sure if it is or not, but I mean, you have about, you have about those knights. I forget what it was. Oh, I wish I could remember. But the thing about it, you were controlling him. You know, you moved him around, and then you swing your sword and cut someone's head off, and then you move on. And it had these crazy little monsters. My favorite, they were these. I forget what they were called, but they had horse heads. Awesome. And these little spikes, and they oh, they were so creepy. All right, moving <laughs> on. Anyway, I think that the medieval moves game looks pretty good. Um, you know, obviously, if it ends up being poorly made, it could be awful. <laughs> I just want to ask the, the Williams daughters, Disneyland Adventures, you guys grew up loving Disneyland. Does the idea of virtually visiting and high-fiving Mickey and hugging princesses entertain you at all? Not in the late, least. What if, what if you were nine? No. Why not? Is, is it just that hollow? I, don't, I guess I, I see no value in having a digital experience modeled on an experience I could actually have and enjoy more. So you're saying that, like, Standing Skyrim, my... you can fight dragons, but that can't happen in the real world, so Skyrim's okay. But because you can actually get on the plane and go to Disneyland... Whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are no dragons, Kelly. I'm sorry. Damn it. <laughs> but is that what you mean? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that... I've, I've said this before, maybe not on the podcast, but I, I, I've made this position abundantly clear in other conversations that I, I don't want my video games to be... Too much like stuff I could do in real life. There's no I, fun in that for I'm me. I completely agree. I, yeah. I want something with some kind of fantastical element, whether it's a fantasy sort of dragon-laced 
story arc or even, you know, like some kind of epic, crazy, uncharted adventure where it's set in the quote-unquote real world, but it's it's absurd. Yeah, it yeah. really is. No, no human being can jump like Nathan. <laughs> I, that's actually what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, you know, the like hanging catches and all kinds of nutso yeah. stuff. My shoulder! <laughs> yeah, it, there's just no way. And that's okay with me because that's the whole point for me of video games. Yeah. I, I, I grew up on Civilization 2. The game where you conquer the world. I'm not doing that in real life. And so for me, I guess well, that's what you're I... you're not ambitious enough. Uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I want in a video game. I don't want to go to Disneyland while standing in my living room. Yeah. The only time that I... I'm, I'm completely on the same page with you. Uh, the only time I make an exception is racing games because... There, nobody's ever going to let me in a $2 million car. <laughs> go two hundred. I wouldn't even let you in my car. So. Exactly. <laughs> so there's where I make the exception. Other than that, I, I just want things I can't do in the real world. Amy, you want to swashbuckle with, with Captain Hook? No, because with the <laughs> Disneyland Adventures, I, I agree with Melissa. And going like having that game would take all of the fun of going to Disneyland out of going to Disneyland. Or going oh, to Disney like if you World. play it before ever going as a kid? Yeah, I mean, you know you know all of these things, you, and it's going to take away the magic, and it's going to take away the excitement of it. <laughs> when you get on a ride and you can't actually swashbuckle Captain Hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's in the game. I mean, that. I think for some people who, you know, will never go to Disneyland, that may be fine for them, because they will choose to never go to Disneyland. But I, for two and a half years, lived... 30 minutes from Disneyland. My friends went to Disneyland all the time. And for them, the magic of Disneyland always existed. I never went because I didn't have the money and <laughs> the it would take away the magic of Disneyland being, you know, going later with my sister because we went a couple of times going uh, right after graduation we went. It was way more fun because I wasn't going every other day. Yeah. Fair enough. And that's what the game would be. All right. We should probably move this thing along. Uh, yeah, I see some really interesting things that I don't even understand what they mean. We, we are going to move on to Luke's Science Minute, or whatever we're going to call it. Fun Science with Luke. If you guys can think of a name for the science segment, please write in and let me know. Uh, I originally had three topics for us to talk about, but in the interest of hitting that 60-minute mark, I will only talk about two. So I'll just move it into the next podcast or whatever we do. So the first topic is going to be about uh, magnetic hyperthermia. Uh, which sounds pretty awesome. That's the one I don't understand. Go so the, the magnets make you too hot? They make you warm? No. It's a subtle twist on words. Okay. Uh, so basically, magnetic hypothermia would be a potential foolproof way to cure cancer without drugs. Um, which, wow. I mean, this would be like the holy grail if this could actually... I mean, it's in tests right now. Uh, but the basic... Human tests or like they've theoretical done it with, physics they've tests? They've done it... <laughs> The, the most successful version that they just did the other day was with a mouse. Okay. With human brain cell cancer on its belly. Okay. Um, so basically the idea is... <laughs> the girls are making faces. So the idea... I'm making a face. You just didn't see it. What the hell? <laughs> okay. So we all know that cells don't do well with temperature. High temperature. I mean, think of how a mom freaks out when her kid has a fever of 102. Like, ah, end of the world. Okay. Cells just start to blow up once they get to like 109, 110, that range. So the idea here is that you basically take these magnetic nanoparticles and inject them into the cells of the cancer. So you have a specialized nanoparticle that's targeted for the cells of the cancer. So you have a tumor, you have a localized tumor, you inject these nanoparticles in, and then you put the person in a magnetic field that alternates polarity 
m multiple thousands of times a second. So like, you know, 2,000 hertz or super kilohertz. Rapid. So it's just so So it heats fast. up super fast <clears throat> and it brings the cell temperature up to that magic like 43, 45 degrees Celsius number and the cells start to die. This is something that they had been working on for a while now, but the problem with the previous techniques were that the the nanoparticles are so small that they couldn't get them to have a successful like magnetic interaction with something because they were just physically too tiny. And so the tragedy for many of those people were that you would have to just inject a ton of nanoparticles. I mean, like you're saturating these tissues with foreign body, you know, elements. And so the immune system of the person would freak out and you would have all sorts of other complications. So they tried this with people in the past? Yes. Okay. And it hit a dead end for that reason. But these new dudes in Seoul, Korea managed to basically make uh, a bilayer uh, magnetic mineral nanoparticle. So it's it's basically like two different plates of magnetic material with a non-magnetic plate in the center. And it actually gives it some really amazing properties. properties. I don't want to get into all the science of that. Um, but the beauty is that this thing basically allows it to have 10 times the efficiency. So you only need to use one-tenth of the product. That's so, the idea. So Kelly, which science fiction universe are we living in right now with <laughs> magnetic nanoparticles curing cancer? Oh gosh, I read that book when I was. <laughs> um, I, I mean, as I'm listening to you to do this, with a magical clock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. But so you've got this thing now that can be injected into someone locally, and then the beauty is that they go in for one treatment potentially, and they're cured. The, the 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 article the test the study that this one is focused on was they took human brain cell cancer cells from a human uh, grafted it onto the abdomen of a mouse let it live and grow and the cells were multiplying and growing and then they injected these new nanoparticles in put them in the magnetic flip-flop field for 10 minutes and then monitored them for four weeks and it completely destroyed the cells no relapses no you know, no future growth, completely dead, no more cancer. My question, how do they isolate these particles strictly onto the cancer cells? Because I feel like there would be serious complications if they accidentally got into your bloodstream. That would be a problem, yeah. right? So <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how they make them have so much affinity for the cancer. I don't know if they okay. are, are targeted for like a certain diameter <clears throat> that can only fit through certain like cell pores. Like maybe the cancer cells are like unique in this respect. Um, I'm not sure exactly. The, the tragedy with a lot of science papers is that they're locked behind pay gates, and I don't want to pay money for this podcast. Uh, uh, so <laughs> yeah. I can't get into the actual... I can read the abstract and what people are saying about it. But um, in this case, they had essentially a perfect result. Ten minutes of therapy, cancer gone. Obviously, there will be much, much more time. I mean, this is not a, sure. you know, six months from now, we're going to be curing cancer yeah. kind of a thing. This is... Still but, years you know, out. Maybe but... 20 years from now, this could be... I think it could be way quicker than that. I mean, we could I mean, see yeah, this. Sure, but, I mean, but, you know, 20 years down the road, this will be established. We'll look back this on this be, and just laugh. People yeah. will be like, ha, cancer. Yeah. Silly, silly 19th century. I've got century some nanoparticles tears. in the cupboard. Do you want me to get them for you? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people were administering it to themselves and be like, mm, I got some leukemia this morning. So, yeah. i get rid of that. Magnetic hyperthermia. Look it up if you are interested or if you maybe need it. Um, that, actually, yeah, that's another question. What if, what if a person, well, that's, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, what if they've got like, like a blood cancer? Like, yeah, yeah. Like if you have leukemia or metastasized cancer, I don't yeah. know what 
ability. So it will become a treatment. A treatment for certain types. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, the beauty. But still, I mean, well, the tragedy is that most people, if they went in for annual doctor's appointments, wouldn't die from cancer because it would be caught soon enough. Yeah. The vast majority of cancer cases are because people just don't. Things care. like breast cancer kind of be, you know, null and void. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the other science story will be. This is a little bit more on like neuroscience uh, and a little bit of social science, but basically it's, we're going to call it Google's effect on our memory. It's not just Google, but it's this idea that our vast uh, accessibility of, of information allows us to maybe not work the certain areas of our brain that we might used to have as, you know, people in the eighties or whatever. So the idea is that, um, you know, when, before the internet, I know it's hard to think about what we used to do, but usually if you needed to know a specific question, you would go to someone who knew about that subject. You know, if I needed to know about like baseball stats, I could go to my buddy who's really into baseball. And if I needed to know about knitting patterns, I could go to my girlfriend who's really good at knitting. And, you know, you basically knew what other people knew without actually knowing the details of what they knew. And this whole idea is, the, the scientific term is transactive memory. So basically, we would go to people who specialized in these areas, or we'd read a book. But books back then, what, the encyclopedia um, was about all you could do. So they basically devised uh, a test to, to figure this out. They um, had a bunch of people come in and do a bunch of research on computers um, that were essentially easy questions or hard questions, and then made it so that these people knew that the computer was like logging their answers or not logging their answers. And it's a little bit hard to explain, but the idea would be that people who knew that they could always come back to get the information weren't actually storing it in their heads. Like if you, you know, if you had to look up a certain question uh, and you knew how to get there repeatedly, you wouldn't actually put the effort into storing that in long-term memory because you would always know that I could go look it up. And so there were some example questions from this study that I thought I'd read. Um, so, uh, too much paper. This is the tragedy of having too much paper. So, <clears> Melissa, <throat> uh, do all countries have at least two colors in their flags? No. I actually know the answer to that one, but most people might not. Uh, Libya has a, all a flag that is a uniform green field with Kelly, no decoration. Can, can Alfred Hitchcock eat me? Why the hell would I know that? That's a very good number. He's dead, so Amy no. Is, yeah, no. <laughs> is, it was a trick question. That, that might be that. the answer. Yeah. Uh, is Krypton's atomic number 26? I have no idea. Yes. But I was never good at science, so that doesn't prove anything. <laughs> anyway, fair enough. Continue. So the idea would be that people actually were, when they knew that the either computer was like logging, storing their answers, or they knew the quick route to get back to that information, if they were quizzed on it later, they weren't actually remembering it. But if they were put in a situation where they knew that this information would no longer be available, they were more likely to keep it. And so the researcher's ultimate decision at the end was that the internet has essentially just become a friend to us that we we know what the internet knows and so when we have a question about something we go to the internet just like we would have 20 years ago when we knew someone that knew about hockey so transactive memory you can look up the paper it's online uh, go uh, it's google effects on memory cognitive consequences of having information at our fingertips see i'm the kind of person what, that, what journals it in uh science I'm the kind of person that, that never really kind of specialized in any, anything. I mean, because we all grew up in, well, maybe not Amy. Yeah, maybe Amy. Anyways, we all grew up in the She's time. A baby. Yeah. When, uh, when, uh, before computers were, you know, super available at schools and stuff, and we were actually using the, 
encyclopedias and asking teachers questions rather than be like, yeah, screw teacher, I'm going to ask the internet. Um, so, but I mean, I never, I never took an interest in any single thing. I don't feel like I was ever one of those people that you could... You were never a specialist. I, you couldn't come to me about baseball stats because I wasn't, you know, but you could come to me about random facts all over the board. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I, and Do you I, remember? I mean, I, but I remember everything that I read on the internet too. I don't know if maybe it just doesn't. I'm just one of the exceptions of the rule, but I like if I check Wikipedia and I find answers for something and then I, you know, verify those answers elsewhere, it's I'm pretty well stored. I don't, I don't know. I, I... I would be interested to know, having not read the paper like you did, whether there was any difference in terms of the type of information. Because I'm just thinking, I struggle with storing statistics in my head. You know, if you ask me specific numbers, it's difficult for me to learn and retain that information on any subject, even ones that I am passionately interested in. But more uh, qualitative information, I guess, um, for lack of a better, you know, if, if something has a a story or a process. I can explain a process to you um, fairly easily um, and, and retain it fairly easily, even though I know I've got the internet at my fingertips. I mean, yes, I'll, I'll take advantage of that friend and the transactive memory. I mean, absolutely, that's no concern there. I guess it's just, I, I, I have to wonder if there is any difference between types of information and whether there's a difference if it's an idiosyncratic thing, well, I'm just not good at statistics, Kelly's just not good at specializing, whatever. <laughs> or if there are groups of people, perhaps, who are more likely to be, you know, baseball statisticians or whatever. Is, is the paper trying to push the point that Google is bad for our memories, or is it just... I, well, it I think as a paper, stating... it's not trying to do anything. Okay. Other than answer the question, like, what effect is it having, if is any? It? Okay. And essentially, they said they it's, it's just like another friend. It, okay. it, it's just no like different than what it was. As... So it, it's so it's not. They're not. They're not making trying to say well, Google is damaging our our brains and making it making us dumber as a collective. Because <laughs> we're not going to. Well, each it's other entirely anymore. possible Google <laughs> is doing that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in this study. And, and the yeah. author, she said. I mean, often you'll have kind of in the in the summary section the idea of like what the future studies on this topic would look like and so she wanted to maybe look at that kind of question like what like long term it seems like it's not actually changing anything from our day-to-day -day, uh across multiple like you know age ranges and you know genders and, and races and stuff but the idea of like what would it look like if you managed to look at like a longitudinal study across you know two decades like from now or you know starting 10 years ago up through the future so like, babies born in 2011 we check in with them when they're college freshmen yeah like if they just have like no long-term you know brain centers or something like that which would be tragic yes. <laughs> seriously tragic yeah um, so anyway they're, but they're gonna have like direct lines to google they're they have like hardwired chips yeah let me just grab the plug I know Kung Fu. really hard. That was bad. <laughs> Your brain cracked. <laughs> All right. A hole in the middle of their forehead. Main topic. What do we got? Well, so this is... I'm a little surprised you gave me this topic, to be honest, to wrangle and, and manage, because this is... This is really your wheelhouse, Luke. Um, Luke really wants us to talk about social networks, digital social networks, to be specific. And, I, you know, Facebook was the king of social networks for a long time. Twitter kind of became the, the cool new way to interact with the world for 
for people our age, not really for people any yeah. younger than us. Older people older than us and our age, you know, got into the the, the Twitter scene, and then uh, uh, Google Plus rolled out uh, in beta form two weeks ago. I think two weeks ago. About yeah. two weeks ago, and everybody who's on Google Plus seems to love it and think it's it's what Facebook should have been. Um, but I I think. Your first question on my outline here is is really a good place to start. Do we need another digital social network? Do we need another one? Amy, as someone who <laughs> I think was given an invite for Google Plus and probably hasn't used it, how do you feel? Like, have you even put any friends in circles? Are you likely to make a switch, bring this on alongside, ignore it completely? At this point, I don't really, I haven't done a lot of exploring of Google Plus, so I don't know much about about it but it's kind of one of those it looks from what i can tell of it it seems a lot like what early facebook was yeah i was on facebook at least before melissa and i think for you what possibly. year what what year uh it was shortly after i started and cal baptist so uh, you were actually a late adopter yeah of facebook. Okay. i picked up 0405 yeah. okay so but i was on earlier than Melissa I was, was a holdout. I, yeah. I, I really don't care. But I was also on a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was on a lot earlier than many of my <clears throat> friends were. Sure. So to me, it just it feels a lot like what early Facebook was, and so it's kind of. You mean of just that it's not cluttered, or yeah, you mean, okay, yeah, it's it actually does feel a lot like early Facebook, yeah. and it's not no ads, there's no games, there's no yeah, and so it's kind of one of those. If you tell me the point, maybe then I can figure out whether or not I think this is valid, but. I've come to the conclusion in a lot of things that if I don't understand the point of this, then I'm not going to invest in it until you tell me what the point is and convince me that it's a valid point. Or just, I mean, the way, the way I'm seeing it right now is, I mean, I've got one too. I've got an invite and I started the account, but I just don't feel like it's adding anything to the social networking that I haven't seen before. No, I mean, it, it, it has a few new features, but it's nothing so drastic that I'm like, whoa, Google Plus, I just, I've got to have this. And it just feels, at this point, it just feels like a hassle having another one. Because, I mean, I had I had MySpace first, and then everybody was on Facebook, so I was like, screw MySpace, I'll just have Facebook. I deleted my MySpace profile. Um, and so I just had Facebook, and then I was thinking about closing that because it was just, a, you know, annoying. But, you know, I have people that I keep in contact with on it, and no other real good means to keep in contact with them so i i kept it but now google plus do i care <laughs> you know i i i don't really i mean it i really and like I, I don't and i don't i i kind of almost feel like google is becoming this evil empire like you know slowly maybe not yet but it's 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 it has aspirations to become like like an evil walmart skynet on, okay yeah like skynet on the internet yeah <laughs> Well, so, so I really like Google Plus. I um, I don't use it as much quite yet. I'm I'm ramping up slowly because I don't want to be that guy who's just like spamming it every day. Uh, but I, I I love the idea of having circles. I know on Facebook you can do groups, but it's a pain in the butt and nobody does it. But I love the idea of circles because um, when I want to broadcast something I am typing, sharing with the world, I don't want. I don't want it to go to everybody on my friends list. I've got like 200 people on my friends list on Facebook and I, I'm always trying to keep that under 200. I'm always kicking people off. But the idea is that not everybody on that 200 list wants to see what kind of thing I'm talking about. Most people don't care about, 
you know, this or that. And so the idea of circles being able to like send this just to my family or this just to the supercars guys or this just to my friends or this to my high school friend, you know, if it's reunion chat, I can just hit the, the high school circle post and it hits only them. And so I think this is cool for people, especially like I'm thinking of all the crazy people I knew in college that didn't want their mom to know about the crazy party they went to last Friday. Yeah, but you, know? you don't want to kick your mom off Facebook because yeah. she gets all offended. And so the beauty of this yeah. is that you can just have those circle conversations like in the real world where some people aren't included in it. And so I think that's really clever. Um, but the challenge is that it is another social network that's going up against the social net. I mean, right, we've got 700 million people on Facebook. It's, yeah, I think they made a movie about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how do you come in as a newcomer? I mean, the beauty of Google is that so many people have Gmail accounts that once this goes fully live for everybody and the invites aren't necessary, everybody will have access to it and it populates based on your email address. So I've already got people signed up in my circles that haven't actually made profiles yet. So I think once it fully rolls out, it could pick up steam quite quickly. I'm just concerned that it will become Facebook and there'll be ads in video game, you know, updates. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that at all. It will. They want to make money on this thing and it's going to. Yeah. I think, I mean, at this point, you know, setting aside the fact that there will have to be ads at some point to make it viable business-wise, uh, I agree. I had a friend who joined uh, Google+, Plus. you know, a full five or seven days before Luke did. And his his initial comment was, this is what Facebook should have been. Mm -hmm. it, the design, I think, is actually what makes it so appealing. I I, I'm with Kelly in the sense that I don't want to use 14 different social networks to try and keep track of everybody, which I think is going to happen for a while, and it's going to make it tough. Well, yeah, I mean, because... I mean, like Not my, everybody's transferring you know, over, yeah. and yeah. I, and it I, happened before with MySpace and Facebook, now it's happening Facebook and Google. It's yeah. I, I totally get that. But the interface with Google, the options with Google, the ability to maintain some level of privacy with Google, sort of... Um, Google's terms of service technically allow them to use your photos any way they want. Um, if you post it through Picasa, Google has access to it. Actually, I have a funny story about that. Can I just throw it? Please do. On Facebook, um, or I don't remember what it was. I was on some video gaming website and I saw a picture. It was on one of those sidebar advertisements. It <laughs> says, you know, meet, meet other video gaming nerds and date them, you know, and at the very bottom, I saw a picture of one of my friends. Really? I has no joke. I was like, Cammy, why are you on this? I took a, I took a screenshot. I was like, Cammy, why are you in this advertisement? She's like, what? That's one of my Facebook pictures. Whoa. And so Facebook had sold her image to this group and wow. they had used it on, you know, on their advertisement. And yeah, I mean, so it's already happening. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, and at some point, I think we all have to realize that in terms of photographs our privacy on the internet is non-existent yeah our once images it's there, it's once there. it's out there it's out there and there's no going back but in terms of the privacy about information that i choose to share and posts that i choose to share and to whom i choose to share them i like that feature in google plus and i like how easy google has made it to control that yeah. it's it's it takes a little bit of initial setup of putting people into what circles you want them. And if you need somebody to be in multiple circles, you have to think that through. But that's just like real life. If you need somebody to have a piece of information, you have to figure out who specifically needs that piece of information. Yeah. Um, but I need all information, so I should be included in all circles. Everyone's circle yeah. should include Kelly. That's absolutely true. Um, so I, I'm going to jump 
uh, question sure. here and, and actually go back to thinking about our, our, our images, our photographs, our faces are, are not private on the internet. And I'm just, anyone out there who doesn't believe that, feel free to write some hate mail. Luke's going to read it all rather than me. So <laughs> say whatever you want, but um, I'm right. Um, and I'm sticking to it on this one. Um, so everyone in this room has a Gmail account. So to some degree, we've all agreed that we trust Google with our privacy, with some of our private information. It's we have, if we have a Gmail, because anything coming through that Gmail could be seen by the overlords at Google corporate motto. Don't be evil. And I, I personally, I'm inclined to trust them. Um, I'm a fairly trusting soul, so <laughs> what can you do? Um, so I guess rather than the, the question on my outline here is do we trust Google with our privacy? I think a more appropriate question for us at this point is how far do we trust Google? And with what do we trust Google? Do we trust Google more than we trust Facebook? Do we trust them less? What, how? I mean, Kelly's pretty convinced there's some like massive Skynet conspiracy out there. Um, I don't know. Amy, so what do you think? I've never been given a reason not to trust Google. This whole Skynet conversation, I have no idea what you all are talking about. <laughs> She's too young, I love it. Watch Terminator. <laughs> and probably It's Arnold not. Schwarzenegger. He's trying to take over the U.S., which all is right. what he's doing right now. Excellent. All right. Um, <laughs> I've never been given a reason not to trust Google, so I've never really been given a reason not to trust Facebook, granted, you know, you can turn off some of those things with Facebook. Uh, you can tell Facebook, no, you can't have my pictures if you want to. Because some most people, people don't. But yeah. Most people, granted, most people don't. But, you know, every so often someone spams through all of Facebook. You should turn this off so they stop doing this. And they're all annoying. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, so you can have the option to do that, which is something that if Google really wants people to trust them, they should make that available, I think. Or they need to, like well, I said, I, not I, be evil. I was looking at the language because I, I read a, a blog post by somebody who went through kind of detail by detail about the, the picture issue specifically. And it's all, there's some vague wording in Google's terms of service. That's actually what it means. It's, we have no evidence at this point of Google taking anybody's you know, private images and using them for advertising purposes. What the, and I should have printed it out if I was going to talk about it, and I apologize for not having precise specific language, but you can all go and on your Gmail, look up Google's terms of service. It's there. You agreed to it when you signed up for your account, so you probably should read it. But essentially, it says that Google has the right to use your images for promotional purposes and, and there's a couple of other things like that. That if you agree to the service, the service then has the right to use those things. It's not like Facebook's where you're explicitly giving Facebook permission to set to make your photographs public to its advertisers and all of that stuff. Facebook's is a, is a much more explicit thing and that's why they have to let you opt out of it. Google's, it's, it's more a vagueness in the wording that allows them this loophole that they may or may not take advantage of. Um, I, I don't know, Luke, do you have any concerns about Google and your privacy? I am so far down the Google tunnel, it's impossible for me to be concerned. Like I not only have a Gmail account and a YouTube account and have a bunch of stuff on Google Docs and I'm part of the Google Music Beta and have Google Voice so they've got my phone number and like Google Plus, like I am so far, I have basically every feature that Soon you're going to have their organs. You know? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I got a Google liver. I'm so far down the Google infrastructure pipeline that I 
don't see myself coming out of it. And again, like Amy said, I've had no reason to not trust them. Like they've had my phone number now with Google Voice for a year and I've, I don't think I've ever gotten any kind of solicitor call on my cell phone. And, you know, I've never, I've never felt compromised. I've never had my account hacked. I've never, you know, felt like they were in any way, you know, mistreating or mishandling my information or my privacy. So maybe there is some truth to that don't be evil thing. I mean, they want to make money, but I think they're doing a better job of it than Facebook where, you know, there've been a, a number of really clever infographics where it shows how private everything was when Facebook started and then kind of we'll go geologically, like how it's like fallen apart as you know, time has gone on through the layers of, of updates. But um, Facebook, I think, is the one to be concerned about for privacy. Um, that seems like the danger there. I, I don't post anything on Facebook. I wouldn't be comfortable with anyone in the world knowing, seeing, reading. Because I mean, I, I think I would behave the same way with Google+. Plus. Anything I'm putting out there, I have to expect that it's going to be access. I mean, 800 people are downloading this podcast for Pete's sake. Who like, are you? I, but I mean, I like, and I've had that experience of writing a blog for a while when I was in college and I wrote something and it wasn't bad or offensive or anything, but some people I never thought would read my blog were sent a copy of this post by other people who were reading my blog. And it was eye-opening. It was shocking to think, oh, didn't occur to me that the president of the Olympia Education Association, um, who is now my my colleague in the Olympia School District, never occurred to me that that man was going to read uh, my post about teachers. Huh. <laughs> I said really nice Ooh, things about him, yeah. as it turned out. That's why someone sent it to him, because I said really nice. He was my eighth grade block teacher, and I said really nice things about how much I loved eighth grade block and how great a teacher he was. Mm -hmm. And I mean all of them, even today, and I would be comfortable saying them all again today, but... If I'm putting it out there for public consumption, I want to make sure it's something that I'm okay with anybody. Yeah, reading. my boss admitted to me that she checks everybody's Facebook pages before she hires them, um, but that she had forgotten to check mine, so that's probably why I got hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, should we start to wrap this thing up? Yeah, do we get any questions? Like... We have got some questions. Oh! Yes! Some of you people are incompetent, and I hate you. <laughs> Um, Wait, is that the question? No so, oh. no. so I made the text very clear. Like, we're about to start the podcast. If you want us to answer a question on the air, get it in quick. And a lot of people were like, what kind of question? Do you want me to text it? What do you want us to ask about? Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, it's just, all right, come on. So for those of you who texted in during this podcast and are now being called names by my husband. <laughs> um, here, here's the rules. When you get the text, it means that we are in the process of recording. We would love for you to ask any kind of question you think would provide us with something interesting to talk about. It shouldn't be overly personal, because if you've listened to this episode, you know that I'm not going to talk about any of that. So I, ha! however, will answer personal questions, no matter how deep, dark, or disgusting they may be. <laughs> well, I might give you one of the hard ones later. Yes. All right. All right. I just wanted to throw this one out there. From so, like, just to wrap up... Yeah. If you're going to send in a question, please do text it to Luke's cell phone, because he's the one who remembers to turn his phone off, and uh, he's the one who will be reading the questions. So feel free to write in anything, and uh, this will be as close as we can get to live. I just wanted to give Bob a quick little shout-out for Bobby. asking. I'm not going to give less Bob? Bob. Bob. We met him at PAX. Um, he hung he's out with cool. us at the split-second demo. So this is his question. Is it too late for Google Plus with how big Facebook has become? Uh, what do they need to do to take over the social networking game? We've essentially answered that, but I just wanted to point out the fact that he was basically reading our minds through the ether. They need to partner with Apple. 
That's an English oh. to take yeah, over the Not a bad idea. That is, yeah. um, all right. Google Plus app for your iPhone. I'm sure they'll iPhone. have it shortly. Yeah. I'm sure that the, the only I know reason why got it's not fully the... live is because they're working out uh, the, looking at the app. app. Yeah. And I know they've already got one for the droid, so. Obviously, because they're yeah. Google. Yeah. Uh, all right. From Magic Mike. Yay. Why don't they make square tortillas? Folding a square is easier than a circle. Uh, and there would be no dough remnants. Making a square out of dough is actually fairly difficult. No, but they just make big sheets and cut them, don't they? No, they no. don't. Tortilla. I mean, I d I've never been to the Mission Tortilla. Well, oh, you're right. They are like so. I don't know, but I have seen tortillas made. They just like crush them between rollers and, or something. Or? Uh, well, good tortillas are actually made with a, a press. Okay. It's a little lump of dough put into a tortilla press, flattened between two sheets of cast iron, essentially, into the tortilla shape. And as anybody who's ever baked anything knows, uh, getting round dough is much easier than square dough. What do you think? Do you think they should make square tortillas? Fascism. That's why, <laughs> that's why we don't have square. Also, people are too cool for square uh, tortillas, actually. That's probably true. Yeah. And we all know that the square burger patty at Wendy's is horrible, so, you know. Why would we want to do that to our tortillas? All right, from Allison. Allison from Westwood Church. Allison. If you guys want me in the future to give last names, let me know. All right. Probably not, yeah. How can you interact with a famous person in a way that makes them feel comfortable? So, you know, you walk into the mall, you walk into the airport. How do you interact with famous people in a way that makes them feel comfortable? I am the worst person to ask because I will just walk up to them and be like, I loved you in that thing you were in and make them feel awkward. And then there's a big crowd suddenly and then they're mad at me. Have you ever actually done that? Because you've talked to some oh, yeah. at least semi-famous people. Did you make a scene? No, actually, I was really respectful. Yeah. But I've that's usually this at PAX, though. Yeah. Just with even just like semi-celebrities. Well, I mean, we go up and be like, ah! <laughs> we, we, I mean, we chatted with that dude with the terrible Nintendo game that went here for like 30 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. My Sims Agents or whatever it was called. Right. Um, he actually made it sound interesting, though. Well, but, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. In my experience with you, Luke, you don't make a big scene with... That's true. I, granted, we are not hanging out, rubbing elbows with A-list celebrities. That's true. If I was actually like walking um, through the mall and Lewis Hamilton walked by, I might tackle him and hug him and kiss him. But maybe not. I don't know. In general, my experience with you has been that you won't interact with someone famous or someone that you really admire or respect unless you think you have something interesting to say That's or true, ask. That's true. All right. So I was being a little bit silly before. I think it's bad manners to go up and be that fan who's like, ah! You know, like, they're normal people who probably appreciate the fame but don't want to be harassed. And so there's got to be that fine line where you go up and, you know, you acknowledge the fact that they've done something that you like. And then I think the real key to this is asking them a question that they haven't answered 50,000 times already. So when Luke talks to video game bloggers, well, the one video game blogger that he talks to at PAX, or I not blogger, the, the podcasters, I guess, okay. not bloggers. But, you know, you always pick the guy who oh, loves F1. Yeah. You always go talk to Garnett because you know you can talk to him about F1 and you don't have to talk to him about Halo, which everyone else is asking. It's great because you see his face light up, right? Because yeah, everybody yeah. else is harassing him about the new game that was announced or whatever. And he's like, oh, Formula One guy. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's you know, what I did, he calls I, you in his head. I had a successful moment. He, he emailed me last week. Oddly enough, about podcasting. Darn it, didn't. Yeah, sweet. I know. <laughs> uh, I had I had a good moment with Tim Schafer when I met him. That's right. We met him at Yeah, it was just really brief. I mean, I saw him. 
And he was walking. He was with one me. of the giant bomb guys. He was, yeah. with, he was with another person. He was talking to him. I was like, oh my god, I have to meet Tim because it's Tim, and he's my friggin' hero. And he's so funny, you know. And he came walking up, and I was like, hey, what's up, Tim? And I shook his hand. And he gave me a nod and I said, hey, what's up? And then he kept going, and it was good. <laughs> I met I met Jeff. I mean, he was real brief, and I didn't get to ask him. Anything I met about. Jeff Keeley a few years ago and struggled off well enough with him that he introduced me to the like senior vice president president of advertisement and marketing for EA. And then I had a great conversation with that person about the commercial that they made for Mercenaries 2. And it was like, yeah, like, I'm talking to Jeff. And he's like, ah, hey, guy, come over here. And then I had this fan, you know, like you know, talking about the art style of the commercial, the music they chose, the length of it. Like, how do you make a video game ad in 30 seconds? You know, like it's a complex thing. You can't even describe a video game usually in 30 seconds. So, And I think... <clears throat> And if you're what Japanese, the, you can't even like quantify make a video game. You can't even quantify years. what your game is about yes. in 30 seconds. But I was just going to say that I think for us, the level of celebrity that we are likely to encounter in a personal way in our lives are probably going to be people where that's the best plan is talk to them about either something they're interested in or something novel that's, you know, not what they're being asked about all the time. A-list celebrities, I think it's best to just let them have their space. What would you do if you saw Heike? Give him a big hug. It depends. Honestly, <laughs> it honestly, up and it honestly you know depends. If, I, if he was just walking down the street with his girlfriend, I probably would just be all excited and, like, not say anything at all. Oh, why, though? It, you need to go up and hug this man. Uh, well, even don't... if he's with his girlfriend, he's be like, oh, my God, Heike. I'm even okay if you kiss him. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> but I... I don't know. I feel like I don't want to be that crazy fan, and I'm not good at improvisational, you know, awesome talking to famous people like Luke is. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, oh my gosh, you're Heike. You're my favorite F1 driver ever. And they'll be like, really? Why? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I just think you're cool, and I read your Twitter. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, if, if I met uh, China Mievo, who's my favorite author, author ever. I think I'd just, you know, jaw to the floor, just be like stuttering and stupid. He's like, uh, uh, I love you. <laughs> and I'd, I'd make it super awkward and he'd probably walk away and be like, dude, what's wrong with that kid? I, I guess I would have to hope that the, if I was having a conversation with somebody awesome and famous, that they would actually be awesome and say something back to me. You know, if it was a real conversation, I could probably hold my own. Yeah. It's when it turns out I've said hi to someone and they really just wanted to go get coffee yeah. and I've interrupted that. There's no coming back from that for me. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's all over and I just have to slink away in embarrassment. Okay, uh, help, help me with this. Who sang the Wow Wow Wibble Wobble Wazzy Woodle Woo? Uh, oh, Aaron is screaming at his device <laughs> right, now. right now. Yeah. Aaron is just uh, cussing at you that is... and me. Was it Tim? Was his name Tim? I, I want to say Tim. Yeah. The guy that did got a lot the, of Tims today. Tim. Jim Henson, right? No, Jim Henson. Oh, no, yeah, right. Puppets. No, no but he had, he had, he had, uh, he had puppets. He yes. had big puppets. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Anyways, I met this fellow who's amazing. He was famous in the 80s. Yeah. He, he did children's songs and, and videos and just magical awesome. As I saw him at the Thurston County Fair one year and. I desperately, desperately. Wait, this wait. This was after How I had old grown were you? up. Okay. I had grown up. I was in high school at this point. Okay. And I desperately wanted to get his autograph. I didn't have anything for him to sign. So one of my friends and I pulled off our dirty, nasty socks. What? Ran up to him. Socks? <clears throat> we, we ran up to him. Like, of all the things? Yes, that's all we had. We like, Tim. I, I can't. You didn't have money in your wallet or a library card nope. or socks. Nope. 
I pull off. You're the worst fan. Off our socks. Worst fan. And we're Kelly. like, Tim, we don't have anything else. Will you sign our socks? And he, we had, we'd been nervous about approaching him because he looked like he was having an argument with his manager or something. And we, we had to do it because he was starting to move away. And we were like, we're going to lose him. So we went up, will you sign our socks? And he got the biggest smile on his face. He's like, absolutely, I'll sign your nasty socks. <laughs> <laughs> he got out his Sharpie and he signed them. And I've still got it nailed on my wall. Wow. Yeah. I Gross. It. <laughs> <laughs> Never been washed. All right. Two really <laughs> short ones because we're trying to keep this short. Okay. Uh, Nick VS wrote in asking, should someone buy a PS3 now or wait to see if Sony is going to make a new system? I don't know what you mean by new system. I don't think a PS4 is coming anytime soon, but Sony just uh, basically put into production a new model of PS3 that's even uh, quieter and less hungry for energy. Um, It sounds like it's going to be sacrificing a couple of bizarre features like Allegedly, it won't have LED lights, which I think is kind of a, a, a poor choice because how are we going to know when it's on or if there's a disc inside? But that one will be coming out probably later this summer, like maybe August. And if it is, I would imagine that it would have like a $50 price drop. So if you really want to save 50 bucks, I'd say wait a month or two. But if you just need a PS3 now, you should go with that. And then Kelly, last question from James, my former coworker. Uh, what is the max range on an M48 ATAM SC rocket? I'm sorry, read the model number for me again. Uh, M48 ATAMCS rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Transitive, what is it? Transitive memory? Transactive memory. Transactive memory. Kelly's looking it up. Kelly is, is, is using his phone a friend. Transacting, okay. And let's just, time. Friend, let's take, I mean, Google. M, it's M48. Wait, oh, God. Oh, oh Stephen Merchant, get out of here. ATAMCS, that's all you get. Three M- times. M- Girls, would you like to guess? MTS. It's a rocket. It's a military rocket. How far? Rocket. That's why James can laugh at us when we're terribly wrong. Six miles. Mrs. Rocket. That's what I just read. <laughs> Melissa says six miles. Amy? I have no idea. I will say 130. Stop that. 130 oh, what? Miles. Oh, you suck. Sorry, units are important. This whole conversation just makes me think of an episode of The West Wing where <laughs> one, where Leo and the president are discussing the the missile the missile defense system, system and how, how badly it missed how badly it missed and leo is like lucy and the president is like charlie brown and lucy keeps convincing charlie brown that to she's kick gonna the football. Hold the football and the president keeps kicking the football and it keeps missing and there's a problem. Your brain is so strange. The, the, real, jo- the real joke that Amy should have told um, about that scene is that the president says, so how much should it miss by? And Leo, his chief of staff, says 10. And the president <laughs> says, 10 feet? That's amazing. I mean, that's really close. And Leo says, 10 miles. <laughs> and 10 miles? <laughs> Not the same thing at all. Units are important. So M forty eight Chaparral. I'm not sure that's the same. <laughs> is it a rocket? Has a sh- mobile short range of twenty five hundred meters. That's very short. It is very short. I'm not sure you looked up the right thing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should probably, we, we should wrap this thing up. I'm gonna add a new feature by being organized, like some people asked us to be. Uh, I already have plans in 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 the works for the next podcast. So at the end of each podcast, I'm going to be teasing the things to listen for next time. So we're going to talk a bunch of space science, right? We just had uh, Atlantis take off the last shuttle uh, launch. We actually won't be talking about America's space program or anything like that. It'll be space space, like hardcore 50,000 light years of distance space space. You're going to stress me out. 
Possibly. I don't like outer space. It freaks me out. Uh, we will be talking about the intellectual capital of nations. That one is going to have an amazing argument. I can just feel it coming. We're going to need to do some research. Yep. Yeah. And the films of 2011. I have a mission for each of you, actually, especially if you have a Netflix account with streaming capabilities. There's a film called Rubber on Netflix currently. You are to watch it, and we will be discussing it next time. It okay. One of the weirdest movies ever. But. And it's amazing. So. Also, films of 2011. We've probably seen between us most of the big ones. Pirates, Transformers. Well, well, I have seen those. We will have seen Harry Potter by then. You know, the bit, you know, Cars 2. Kelly and I saw Source Code. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about the movies we've seen and maybe rank them. So stay tuned for our ranking of the movies thus far. With that, any closing comments for anybody? How do you feel about all these microphones? I like the shiny one. I don't care if it's the best. You want to keep it? Keep it. You want to keep the shiny one? The shiny one's name is Blue. It is and, it does, and I don't feel like it's going to tase me. It's a Blue Yeti. This other microphone totally looks like a taser. It does look like a taser. <laughs> so, uh, with that, if you need to follow us, I, I don't know if these girls are ever going to get on Twitter, but Kelly and I both have Twitter accounts. Yep. People have asked for our Twitter accounts. Oh, all right. So, mine is twitter.com slash LukeStock, like Luke and then S-T-A-L-K. Um, it's got a double meeting. It can be like Luke's talk, you know, where Luke talks, or the place where you stalk Luke. Apparently, that's what Amy does. <laughs> that's um, what my mother does. Kelly, you can't remember yours? This is your name. Somebody is spamming my Twitter. Okay, anyways, um, <laughs> mine is a little more complicated. It's Calestus. It's K A E L E S T E S at Twitter. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you want to follow us between now and the next podcast, if you want to shoot us some ideas, also the email address, right? Say it one more time. Uh, TNS, so the non sequitur, TNSpodcast at gmail.com. So hit us up with some questions there. Check us out on iTunes. Write us a nice review. Review, only nice ones. Uh, and we apologize for this being an hour and 30 minutes. We have totally failed. <laughs> we will do better next time. All right. With that, we're signing off. See ya. This yeah, was no. the this was the, the brave men and women okay. of the uh, RAF six one seven squadron, and a genius inventor by the name of Barnes Wallace. Oh, are these the skipping stone bombs, the, the, the bouncing bombs. Oh, this this is a great story. This is the greatest shit. This is so a fantastic were, Wikipedia. So page. one of the and there's a great movie about it. I'll bring a DVD and you can watch okay. it. They're going to remake it. Okay. Um, the story was there were these. So one of the problem, one of the ways that you try to fight a war. Uh, when you're dealing with with you know mass mechanized forces of armor right. like you had in World you War II, cut the tail, cut the tail, you, cut the neck, and you've got you've got to try and shut down the the, the supply. You try to bomb yeah. the factories and yep. the military industrial uh, machine. Right. And many of the German factories ran on hydroelectrics. Right. And uh, and they got a lot of that from these huge hydroelectric dams that were in the Ruhr Valley in Germany. Right. And they were these huge dams, and they provided a tremendous amount of power to the German industrial machine. Yeah. So the you know, British intelligence were like, if we could take those out, destroy the dams, destroy that, the factories. That would that would blunt you know the ability of the German fighting forces like to bring more tanks to the front line. Yeah. So that would be great, right? Yeah. The problem is these dams because they are dams. They by their nature they're embedded deep in these very narrow valleys. Right. And hitting them with a bomb 
is incredibly difficult to do. Right. And even if you can hit them with a bomb, they're incredibly well reinforced. Well, yeah, and most of the most of the dam is actually underneath the water. Yes. So like you'd have to come either up the valley and like essentially reverse dive bomb the dam, which is which is what they eventually figured out how to do. So you can't hit it from above, and also because of of course they've got incredibly high concentrations of anti aircraft artillery around those positions. No shit. Because they because the Germans know that the British are going to want to take them out. So they that's came to, why in Call of Duty you went in on foot with with satchel charges. So they came to Barnes Wallace, who was a very quiet, you know, stoic English man who lived in the English countryside with his wife and a very smart man. And they said, well, "Here's here's your mission. Can you figure out a way for us to do this?" And he realized that the only way for you to do it would be to hit the dams head on with a bomb, not from above, but right. from the side. And you, there's no way to do that because we don't have guided missiles, and we have we have just have bombs that drop straight down. So that was the problem in the ni- in the 1940s. So he developed a cylindrical bomb. Yeah. It looked it looked like an oil drum. Yeah. Which, as it was dispatched from the body of the plane, they started it spinning. Would, right? would start spinning in such a way that it would skip like a stone across the river, across the lake, yeah. and slam headfirst right into the side of the dam and right. break it. Um, so they de- they had developed this bomb, but they also had to train the pilots. To deliver them because they had to they had to come in under aircraft and anti aircraft. This is here's a good bit of trivia: the trench run attack and the Death Star at the end of Star right. Wars is based on the Dambusters raid. Yeah, because oh. they had to fly down low in this very narrow trench under the flak, and basically they were flying so incredibly low that if they even dipped their wings like five degrees, they would hit the water and, and crash. Yeah, I mean they were so low it was ridiculous. Yeah, why is this not a video game? Uh, they had it was they they, they did make an eight bit version of this game. Uh, they had no laser sighting or anything like that no. in the days. They what they did was they fired. They fired, in order to know that they had to be a very they had to be at the exact right um, velocity, yeah. exact right altitude. Otherwise, these bombs were not going to hit the right way. So they had the um, the they knew basically the speed and everything, all all that, all that good stuff. But to, to ensure that they were exact, exactly the right depth, they came up with a system where they basically took two spotlights and angled them down from the bottom of the plane. And right. when the two spotlights merged over the water below, the beneath right them, height. they knew they were at the right height. Yeah. Then they would drop the bomb. Anyway, they sent all these planes in. Several of the planes were lost. Uh, many of the bombs hit, but didn't break the dams. Some of the bombs did hit and destroy the dams and cause these massive floods. Yeah. The, the motto of the dam busters is, après moi deluge, uh, after me comes the flood. Yeah. Because after they left, they just they, they flooded this valley. And... and as it turns out, it didn't actually damage the, in- the German industrial machine that much. It, right. w- it did damage them somewhat, but we have to- this was at a time before the Americans got off their fucking. So what you're fat saying is that the best the English the could do was largely ineffective. But it w- but what it was because this 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 came shortly after Dunkirk, which was a big you know loss for the English. We had basically it was like a D-Day in reverse where we yeah. had to retreat from from continental Europe. Yeah. Uh, and it looked like it, you have to remember you you guys don't remember because you didn't fight this part of the war. But this, this, Hitler, and you did. Hitler yeah. was winning never, for a long time. Never told our story books. I took history, and this story was never told. What, Hitler taught him the the bombs. No, the nothing bombs? before Pearl Harbor was taught. In, exactly, in and the and you oh, no, no, they taught about Poland and and uh, missing, what's his name's folly. But you're missing North the North African campaigns. Rommel was running rampant hey, all over Casablanca. North Africa. I know that's all about. Yeah, okay. You saw Casablanca. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid. Um, and we were, you know, for for a time there, looked like we, for a time there, it looked like we were going out. But for yeah. a few stout Englishmen who said, "Not so far, Fritz. <laughs> we're going to stand up to you." Who's and Fritz? It, the Dambusters raid. I thought it was Jerry. Well, you know, whatever. Or Charlie. Um, no, Charlie's Vietnam, isn't it? Oh, I guess so. Um, Jerry. But Jerry. Um, 
like I said, it didn't. It was it what it, what it mostly was was a massive moral victory. It was it was on all the newspapers. Like we fight, we 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 hit the Germans right. really hard with this and enabled us to kind of get more excited about continuing to fight. So the Dambusters raid. They made a terif- terrific movie about it, starring uh, Michael Redgrave, which you should uh, you should check out. And okay. it's been remade. By and Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson wants to remake it. He's built already oh. built all the Lancaster bombers. Oh, that did on. the raid. Just give Michael Fassbender a call and done. Fassbender would be perfect. Fassbender would be good. Perfect. Come on.